All right, we're going to transition now because we have a guest speaker from the International Justice Mission. And before I do an introduction to that, I want to say this. If you're here and you have a child in this room who's old enough to be aware of what is going on, you need to know this, parent. You need to know this. If you have a child in the room who's aware enough, we are talking about injustice, violence, sexual injustice against children globally. There will be images on the screen, some of you completely fine with that. Others, we just need you to know this. So if this isn't a good place for your child to be, we want you to know that, okay? All right. The International Justice Mission was founded in 1997. It is a global organization that protects the poor from violence in the developing world. It is made up of hundreds of lawyers, investigators, social workers, and community activists. Our speaker today is Pablo Veleda. This is Pablo here he is on the screen. Pablo is the Vice President of Regional Operations for Latin America. He oversees IJM's work, which is headquartered right here in Crystal City, to rescue and restore children who have been victimized by sexual violence. Thank you, Pablo, for being with us. How about one more round, warm round of applause? Thank you. Thank you for the invitation and the privilege to share with you this morning. Um, I was born and raised in Guatemala. Um, it is a small country there in Central America, and um, we are about 14 million people, uh, 13 million living there, and, one, and a, more than a million actually living in the United States and Canada and uh, all of them have migrated here for several reasons, uh, but a, a large percentage of them because of situations of poverty and um, violence. It is such a small country, but still with wonderful people, great stories, uh, and great places to, to visit. And since it is so small, we Guatemalans like to take pride in such small and sometimes silly things, like that we, we like to say that we invented instant coffee. I don't know why we say uh, that we invented instant coffee. We actually have good, good coffee, the, the one that you want to have. We also like to say that our Mayan ancestors invented or discovered chocolate for the first time. For those of you who are Star Wars fans uh, and are old enough to remember the first movie that was ever released about 1977 or 78, episode 4, Star Wars, the millennium... Falcon, when it is landing in that city that appears there in one of those moons, I can't remember the name, that's actually our Mayan city, Tikal, and we are there for about seven or eight seconds. <laughs> it was about until two years ago that we won our first Olympic medal ever on pace running. Silver medal, but still, uh, it was a source of joy for all of us Guatemalans. And we love soccer, or football, as we call it. But it's almost like a national trauma that we have never attended a World Cup. And I don't think that we will attend one in the next, I don't know, how, much, how many years. It's such a big deal that it's been said that a current presidential candidate has said in, in, uh, in campaign that he will take our national team to the World Cup. <laughs> Let's see about that. 
in all seriousness, it's a country of warm people, of beautiful landscapes and great history. And I, that's the country where I grew up until four years ago when, um, as part of the uh, service opportunities with International Justice Mission, I was invited to lead our um, work in Latin America. My path of life includes working in the Guatemalan courts, in the Guatemalan judiciary. Um, I also worked as a lawyer with as my dad in his small law firm, and I also served in my local home church in Guatemala as a youth pastor, something that I really, really missed. When I was about 18 or 19 years old, I attended a missions conference where I made a, a, a commitment to serve God uh, until the end of the world. Those were the years and the decades where there was a great movement to mobilize the church to bring the message of the gospel to those who have not heard of it before. So I saw myself one day serving God um, wherever he would take me. My path of life took me to uh, law school, and then I started working as a lawyer. And I, I started to become a little impatient, impatient about when would I be able to serve God um, until the end of the earth. And little did I know that God was actually going to be able to use my, my skills and my experience as a lawyer and all that I learned uh, working in the Guatemalan courts and seeing the injustice and, uh, and suffering that many of my fellow Guatemalans experienced. So in 2006, I learned of International Justice Mission. And I was really excited when I heard of this organization because it presented for the first time a very unique opportunity and, and a match to use my experience and, and skills as a lawyer in, in the Guatemalan courts with the possibility of doing ministry and serving God and helping those who suffer from abuse, violence, and exploitation. I now oversee our work, as I said, in Latin America. Our offices in uh, my home country, Guatemala, and the office in Bolivia, in La Paz, focus on serving uh, child victims of sexual abuse, sexual violence, the one that, for the most part, happens in the circle of trust of the children. We also have an office in the Dominican Republic where we help um, mostly girls, but also some boys that are trapped in the sex industry, in the commercial sexual exploitation of children. And it's been a source of just great joy and hope for me over the past eight years to see many, many children, women, men, families being rescued, experiencing freedom from abuse, being restored. It has also given me hope to see those individuals who thought they were untouchable and, and were dangerous and who are the bullies and abusers and exploiters being refrained and being sent to jail. It has given me joy to see entire communities and neighborhoods that believed that impunity was the norm, that impunity was all they were going to see in their lifetime, beginning to, change, to see the change and experience that justice is actually possible for the poor. But through, throughout these years, I have also seen trauma, 
and suffering and pain in the lives of vulnerable people, particularly children. And it has been hard. You know, I know and I, I grew up and I have learned from the scriptures that nothing escapes God's sovereignty. There is nothing that I could see. There is nothing that you as a church could see today in the world that God is not aware of. There's a lot of suffering, violence, exploitation around the world. And it even sometimes happens in our own hometowns. And it can be appalling. But I know that God knows it. I know that he cares. But still, when we become aware of these issues of pain, suffering and exploitation makes us have questions. Questions about questions that are difficult to, to respond. And those questions are some, sometimes just one question. I mean, why? And when? Who's going to do, do something to stop this abuse, this exploitation? When is this going to happen? How could, we, how could we stop it? In reading the scriptures, we find the Beatitudes in the sermon, in the sermon on the Mount that Jesus pronounced. And the Beatitudes have always been a source of hope for me in, the, in light of suffering and pain. In Matthew chapter 5, we read, and I'm only reading a, an excerpt of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Somehow, my understanding of the Beatitudes had been that for the most part, they were, and each one of them were a contrast between a present reality, glooming, dark, difficult, horrible reality now with how things could potentially be good sometime in the future. In other words, a present dark, difficult reality now transforming into a different, glorious, wonderful reality someday in the future. From being poor in spirit to a heir of the kingdom of God sometime. From being one who mourns now to one who one day could be comforted. From thirsting for justice now to being filled someday in the future. I think we could all agree that that is still absolutely true. We learn from the scriptures and we know that one day all this darkness will disappear. We know that one day all this evil will be defeated. We know one day that abusers, exploiters, violent men and women, one day will be fully refrained 
And that one day God will make things perfect and will redeem his creation. We know that to be true. It will happen. But there is more behind the Beatitudes. There is both an anticipation of a glorious future, but also the possibility through us, through Jesus working through us, of changing that glooming, dark, horrible reality now. If we observe the life of Jesus and how he reached out to the destitute, to the little ones of this world, to the rejected, to the ones that had been rejected because of their sins, because of their lifestyle, because, of the, because they were poor, because they were crippled, because they were sick, we see that he became Emmanuel. He became God with us. He made himself available. The Son of God, God himself, came closer and reached out and was present with those who suffered. We still can proclaim that all are invited to hope and an anticipation for a glorious future, but also we can strive to do what Jesus did on this earth, making ourselves available, reaching out to those who suffer, to the little ones of this world. IJM launched, opened its first uh, its office in the Dominican Republic about a year ago. And I have had the opportunity to visit the DR, as we call it, several times in, in working with our teams to get things uh, settled and, and, and working. And we now have a full team um, in the Dominican Republic. It is uh, certainly a beautiful country. It's a beautiful island. It's the, the ocean, the, the color of the Atlantic Ocean, the color of the Caribbean Sea is just amazing. It has beautiful beaches. They have great baseball, by the way. Uh, they can play that sport really well. They have a lot of uh, history. It, it's one of the first places discovered in what was called back then the New World. But unfortunately, those beautiful sites and, and beaches and historic sites hide that difficult reality. And that is the reality of the commercial sexual exploitation of children. Between June and July of this year, uh, my team and I conducted a, a prevalence baseline study. And it's basically a formal investigation that follows certain rules to document um, and measure the availability of minors in the sex industry in the Dominican Republic. So I joined a group of colleagues uh, to work undercover for more than a month to observe and document firsthand the prevalence of these abuse. We wanted to understand the mood of operation, how it actually looked like, how the victims looked like, what motivated them to be there. We also wanted to see who were the perpetrators, who were the abusers, the pimps, those taking advantage of women and girls, and also some boys as well. So we inserted ourselves in this dark world. 
my partner and I had conversations with individuals like the one you see in this picture. Formal pimps, casual pimps, some of them were taxi drivers, motoconchos as they call it, the, the persons that drive the motorcycles, security people, guards at restaurants, and individuals who during the day looked as if they were normal, but at night turned themselves of individuals who were very willing and with a total sense of impunity, willing to approach any individual looking as a sex customer to offer girls in exchange for sex and money as if they were merchandise and stuff. It really struck me the level of impunity and how open they were to, to it. For them, all that mattered is that we appeared to be potential customers. But they also knew that they had vulnerable girls to take advantage of. We met many minors, underage girls, like the ones in these features. Their common story, they wanted money, they wanted to go to school. Many of them had suffered abuse or exploitation even at their homes. They were vulnerable because there were individuals who were willing to treat, to treat them as merchandise, but also potential customers, and not just um, foreigners and Westerners, also locals who were willing to take advantage of them and willing to pay a price for them. What became clear to me at that moment is that these girls are poor in spirit. But also became evident to me that the kingdom of God must come to them. They need rescue. They need to be restored. What they are living now is not what God created them to be. That's not what God had in mind. And God wants to act through us. Those exploiters, they need to be refrained. They need to understand that law enforcement exists and that they can eventually be held accountable. We at IJM are privileged for bringing the kingdom of heaven into these dark places. And we can do that because of your support. We can do that because of churches like Christ Community Church. And I understand from what I've learned from all of you and from this community that you call home and that you call a church, that you are not a conventional church. You are committed to be the realization of Jesus' Beatitudes. I think you believe in a glorious future, right? You do believe in a glorious future, but you also believe and you act as if it was true in the possibility of a redeeming present for those who suffer from violence, injustice, oppression, and abuse now. You probably know that becoming that type of unconventional church that reaches out to the one who suffers from abuse, exploitation, and violence will make you, will make you a vulnerable church. 
will make you a vulnerable family, will make you a vulnerable individual. Because when you decide to love those who are broken in spirit, you are risking yourselves to become vulnerable and broken as well. But God knows that, and he is with us. C.S. Lewis once said, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will be wrong and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in, the, in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. Loving these girls in the Dominican Republic. Loving those girls that have been abused in Guatemala or in Bolivia will be hard. They don't know true love. They have rough edges as a result of years and years of abuse and exploitation and many times living in the streets. They continuously live in survival mood. Their understanding of their worth as, as human beings has been totally distorted. We will have to become vulnerable in you as a church. These families, these individuals are willing to do that. You know what? Jesus was vulnerable too. He became like one of us. He became human. He suffered our humanity. And because of that, he understands our sufferings. He understands the sufferings of these girls. A church that embodies the kingdom of God becomes controversial. Controversial in the sense that you are reaching out to the destitute of this world. Controversial in the sense that you're reaching out to those in the margins. But for Jesus, talking to the Samaritan woman troubled with a troubled past, that was controversial. For Jesus offering mercy and forgiveness to the woman caught in adultery, that was controversial. Healing the sick on Sabbath, that was controversial. For the, for the good Samaritan in the parable, making a pause in the way to Jericho to heal this man that had been robbed and beaten, that was controversial. Jesus' Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount are a present reality that we all can be a part of. For the girl in Guatemala or in Bolivia whose innocence has been stolen by rape, you will bring healing. For the innocent that rots in jail, you can bring hope. For the family of slaves in India, 
that because of a small debt has become bonded by slavery, you can bring freedom. For the girl in the Dominican Republic that believes she's a merchandise and is actually being treated as one, you can bring rescue. Many will be restored. Many will be freed. Many will be made whole because of your faith, because of your decision as a church and your commitment as families and as individuals to make yourselves vulnerable to help these girls, these families, and these women because of your decision of becoming the kingdom of God now. I pray that God continues to bless you in your commitment to service and to ministry and to care for those that are little, that are vulnerable, and that are weak. My colleague Roger Bain and I will uh, be available at the end of the service if you want to have further conversations with us or if you have questions or just or comments to, about our work and about our ministry. Uh, we'll be happy to get to know you uh, better. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you, Pablo. Hang out here for just a second. Uh, David, if you can bring that uh, slide up. You know, one of the things that uh, we really uh, attempt to do here together is a community to research organizations that have been rated by outside sources and been looked into by ourselves that are highly effective and highly efficient. In 2010, U.S. News and World Reports did a list of 10 nonprofits that are making a difference in the world. IJM topped that list. And so we search for that. Now, I want to show you something that is very depressing, okay? Here's this graph. There is the human trafficking profits across the globe in a year's time. They exceed the profits of all of these companies here, Disney, Coca-Cola, Google, City, uh, Citigroup, Walmart, IBM, ExxonMobil, and Apple combined. All of those companies, these major companies combined. Human trafficking, that is a very depressing slide. Now I want to show you one that will give us hope. So let's switch to this next one. This was a study done by an outside source, not IJM. IJM did not do this. An outside source did it. This is in the Philippines, in a city in the Philippines, Cebu. And in that particular city, there's a, there's a picture, a graphic picture about how many children are caught in the sex industry. Okay? So let's look at the next slide. This is what IJM pro projected to make a difference. They were going to decrease the amount of kids by 20%. That was their goal. That was their hope, that they could free 20% of the kids in this particular city. Now, here is the target that they actually hit. Here's the reality. They removed 79%. By strengthening the justice system, right, and holding people to account, 79%. This is why I want to tell you this. This is something we can feel good about this morning. We can have a lot of hope when we see credible evidence like that. Okay, Elise. So, Pablo, on behalf of all of us at Grace Community Church, it is a great privilege to give IJM a check for $50,000 to fight the work of trafficking in Latin America.
minutes to conclude with something real briefly, okay, and try to tie a bow on this. I have recently, uh, really over this Christmas season, fallen in love with an African proverb that says this, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. If you want to go far, go together. Here's the thing, Grace. We're gonna, we want to go really far in the fight against injustice. So we have to go together. We want to go really, really far in the fight against injustice. And so we must go together. We were thinking about iJam's work. They specialize in rescue and in restoration. We spent about a week in Guatemala this past October, and what we were thinking about in Guatemala is, is there an organization that we can partner with that they focus on prevention? It thrills our hearts when we hear about a child being rescued and restored out of physical and sexual abuse. But is there an organization that focuses on never allowing that child to go into or trying to prevent that child from going into that situation in the first place? We wanted both sides of that, of that coin covered. And so we went down there with Compassion International to take a look at what Compassion is doing in Guatemala. We were there for a week. The bus that we were on, the tour bus, all, all of the tour buses had a sticker on them. They all had this sticker that says, we do not... Uh, we do not support sexual tourism because tourists from around the world go to Guatemala to abuse a child a, a young girl a teenage girl who's caught in this and then we don't support this it's a, big, it's a big problem there so we want to see is there any way that we could support and work with them I when I went had this certain level of expectation so, you know what I bet compassion because I knew about them they'll probably you know right here is what I expected their effectiveness to be and to be impressed you know the impression factor I expected to be impressed by about this much but instead I was I was impressed by about this much by their work and you know why you know why filing cabinets filing cabinets we went into one of their offices at one of their centers where they're working with kids and they opened up filing cabinet after filing cabinet. And they threw down file after file after file after file on a desk. And they said, there you go. Look through them. And in those files was documented in great detail every medical checkup that happens twice a year. Every meal that was served. Every educational moment. Every home visit. You know what that said to me who tends to be a little bit anal? Is they are auditing this. Which means what? It's happening. This is just something that we as Americans talk about here. Oh, yeah, we feel good because we're helping this group down there. No, no, I went down there because I'm tremendously cynical. And I said, try to wow me. And they did. And they're doing a great work. So here's what we want to do. I've already given the $50,000 to IJM for their great work in Guatemala. Today, this day, we want to try to raise $25,000 to start our own Grace Community Church child survivor program in Guatemala. They will give mothers and newborns a healthy and strong start on life. We want to come around them. Homeland Security says that in this past year, 52,000 kids crossed our border unaccompanied. The majority of which were coming from Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador. Why were they coming? They were coming because they live oftentimes in very dark and desperate places. Now, what do we know from the Christmas story? We're told in the book of John, in his version of the Christmas story, that Jesus Christ came as a great light to darkness. 
So what do we have the opportunity to do? We have an opportunity to partner with Jesus Christ and to go through Compassion International, through IJM, to Guatemala, to dark and desperate places, and to bring light. And in the future, our youth group's going to take a trip down there to meet these mothers and these children. Our adults are going to take trips down there. Not are we just sending money. Not are we just starting this program from scratch. We're going to get to go down there and meet them. And so we gave you a bag of food last week. And I'm hoping that some of you have this wonderful bag. It contains six meals of macaroni and cheese. I know how you all love macaroni and cheese, right? It's not an exciting meal to eat. If you've never been given one of these bags, you weren't around last week, on the way out, grab one. It's really important. There's six meals in this bag. Here's what we want to encourage you to do. We've given you your meal. There's a meal this week that you don't need to buy. Some of you are very frugal. You spend five bucks on a meal. On your way out, drop five bucks in the offering box. Some of you, man, you're big spenders. You like to spend a hundred bucks on a meal. Please drop a hundred bucks. We already gave you the meal, okay? Eat the mac and cheese. Put it in there. We want to try to get. We want to try to raise the twenty-five thousand dollars. Start this and come back next week. You'll hear if we reach the goal. The ping event is all about that today. Trying to raise the money to do this. People often ask me. Hey, you don't take up an offering here. What's this about? How does this church exist? What's going on here? Well, it exists because people put money in there. And you know what we do with that money? People say, well, what do you do with that money that goes in there? This is what we do with it. This is the kind of thing that we together, because we want to go really far in the fight against injustice, this is what we do. We look for great organizations where we can make a difference. I want to conclude with the story real quick. So we're in Guatemala. And... Uh, traveling all over the country, looking at all these different sites and these centers where they're making a big difference. And the compassion leader, his name was Kevin. It's the end of a long day, and he's telling me a story about how he had just taken a trip to India. He said, John, he says, the work that's going on on the rescue and the restoration of teenage girls who have been drugged, beaten, kidnapped, raped, and are stuck in sexual violence, he said, the rescue and the restoration, it'll break your heart. It's wonderful to see these young girls, some of them after living years in this, pulled out of that and put into a safe place. He said, man, you've got to go. He showed me the pictures. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, Kevin, I, I, I really want to go. And so I said to him, I said, Kevin, how long does it take to get there? He says, John, it takes 48 hours. Now, at that moment, I wanted to act really, you know, Christ-like and spiritual. So I'm like, mm, mm, that's, that's great. And inside, I'm like, ain't no way I'm going <laughs> 48 hours on a plane. I'm not going to do it. He says, John, that's the start of it. You're not there yet. That puts you in the town where then you put on a backpack and you carry your own water and you carry your own food and you carry your own tent and you march into the middle of nowhere, into the middle of nowhere in southern India. And you live in a tent all week. Well, my version of camping is staying at a hotel, right? So he's like, all week long, we teach the girls to do this stuff. He said, but you know, yeah, you're living in a tent and you're, you know, dealing your own water and this kind of stuff. He says, there's usually mostly women that goes, but they need about, you know, three guys. And the guys are there just to do all the grunt work. In the so you're like working like a madman, serving everybody. All week, cutting wood, making fires, building tents, serving, serving, serving. Because the girls that go, the teenage girls, they don't trust men. And so all the women who go over there, they're the front, they're the face. And all you do is work like crazy. I'm like, oh man, are you serious? And then he said to me, he says, John, 
you wouldn't believe the healing that takes place in their lives. He said, let me tell you about the last day, what we do after all this that's going on and all the relationship buildings. In the last day, all the girls repel down the side of a mountain and they end up in a pool of water right here. That's the picture. That's what they end up in right there. And then after they're done repelling and they're building trust, they sit on these rocks around that pool of water. And for the first time in the whole trip, one of the guys steps forward and he begins to teach on Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And after he's done teaching about Jesus washing the disciples' feet, they come up to the girls. And the girls, what are they used to, everybody? Ah, uh, they're used to serving men. Whatever a man wants, that's what they do. And here's this man on his knees in front of them, taught about Jesus, saying, you can trust me, I'm going to serve your feet. And the girls say, no way, get away, get away, get away. You can't do that. And then the women come around the girls. They say, it's okay, you can trust him. It's okay, it's okay. And they reassure him. And that man gets down on his knees. And he washes their feet. And Kevin says, Ms. John, you can't believe what happens in that moment. The tears, the healing, the restoration, the love. It's incredible. You know what I said to myself? I said, I'm willing to travel 48 hours and do something that I hate to do, camp. Because it's that important. This is an inconvenience for you this week. If you do this, you will change a child's life. Going to Pings today is an inconvenience. If you'll participate with us, if you'll partner with us, you will change a child's life. It doesn't get any better than that. You can eat a meal and you can change a life. This is a wonderful thing. And this is so much hope just to be a part of this. I, 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 I want us to leave the service today feeling hopeful, joyful, that we get to partner with awesome organizations like IJM and Compassion International. So could we just lift the mood in the room for a moment? Could we just end by a round of applause for that? I want to thank all of you for participating and partnering with God this Christmas season, this Advent con conspiracy to make this happen. I'm going to conclude in prayer. I'm going to let you know if this is your first time here and you're wondering what in the world is this church about. Right over here, sign says Grace and Five. Right over here, right after five minutes or less, we'll tell you everything there is to know about this church. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for every person in this room. Thank you, God, that you give us hope. Thank you, Jesus, that you shined light into the darkness. And now we get to partner with you and shine your light in dark and desperate places. Thank you for awesome organizations like IJM and Compassion International that are making a difference in this world. And through them, we too can make a difference for you to bring the kingdom of God down in dark and desperate places and see people set free. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name, everybody said amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.